Welcome to Black Talk Radio News. My name, of course, is Scotty Reed. And on this episode of BTR News, we are going to host a discussion led by a friend of the show, Kwabana Rasuli. Y'all know him from Clear the Airways Project. Make sure you follow that page on Facebook. And, of course, we will be talking to him later down the road specifically about um, some I guess you could call it litigation, but some complaints, some FCC complaints uh, during the licensing period of a couple of radio stations. And so that's a whole saga that we want to talk to him about as, you know, him and other activists continue to press the federal government on why it's not enforcing the FCC guidelines on um, this. I don't even want to call it hip hop, but this horrible crap that we hear on the airwaves. So make sure y'all follow Clear the Airways project on facebook now joining him uh, in this discussion his first time guest bernard creamer he um just wrote this book it's called who stole the soul the weaponization of hip-hop and he also is uh working with clear the airways project and we'll hear from him about more of his other affiliations but right now i'm gonna sit back and i'm gonna let these two brothers chop it up um hey both of you welcome to to the uh, episode and I'm just a fan of the work that y'all do because it's it's not something that a lot of activists, we got a lot of activists working on a lot of important issues, but I feel like this is an important issue that doesn't get the attention it deserves. So thank you for continuing to put energy in, into this. So welcome. Thank you, Brother Scotty, man. Appreciate you, man. And appreciate you for all these years that uh, the Black Talk Media Project has been a supporter and an encourager are righteously understanding the power of media and what they're doing to our, our, our people with this music, man. So thank you, brother, for all these years working with the Clear the Airways Project and, and allowing us a platform um, to air our grievances with this ratchet, violent, vulgar music. So brother Bernard is with us today. And uh, this brother, real this, I just do my own little personal bio of him real quick when I'm at <laughs> Uh, several years ago, it was actually not too long after Hydea Pendleton was killed. She was a young sister uh, from Chicago going to Martin Luther King Academy, went to go sing at the second inauguration of President Barack Obama at, in the choir in D.C., only to come back and be with some friends after school to be shot down in the streets right by her school. And uh, then we turned the radio on and the music they were playing then and had been playing was music about shooting people down in the streets. And we were doing demonstrations at a uh, radio station in the Hammond area of Chicago called uh, Crawford Broadcasting's Power 92.3. And we heard of uh, some brothers and sisters who were going to be meeting at the No Heart Station in Chicago, uh, which is WGCI. It was Clear Channel at that time. And we met them down there on that cold 14-degree Saturday morning. <laughs> that was crazy. And uh, But we, we, we hung in there, man, and we uh, demonstrated for a while out there that day, but met that brother then, and then we started working together uh, with the Culture Freedom Group, um, you know, just putting some together some plans and some actions against McDonald's, because McDonald's at that time was the largest commercial sponsor of these killer radio stations. And, you know, the brother's been putting in some work um, with us before that, with the Clear the Airways Project, and before that, doing media work. And uh, he came out with a couple books, a few books now, and I've been with him, you know, while he was working on these books, and encouraging him. I hope he'll say that, but I sure will. I know I was like, man, I got to get that book out. He has it out. Finally got it out. And uh, I love it. I'm sure Scotty's going to air it again. I mean, put this up here again, man. Okay. Right on. Yes. Yes, indeed. So who stole the soul? 
the weaponization of hip hop. So brother, give us a uh, brief introduction. I got some questions for you too, too concerning this issue and, and this book and the struggle that we're having. All right, well the book was, uh, this was born of, I guess 10 years of what we've been doing in the streets, um, along with presentations that I've been doing in some of the schools and doing the community centers uh, about the subject. Uh, this media propaganda, propagandization and uh, media literacy, uh, trying to basically, you know, not downgrade the kids or whatever, dump on the kids, but basically explain to them, this is not just them, uh, what's going on with black media, we don't own it. And so what we're getting is basically something that's been going, going on with us forever since we've been in this country, um, especially the last hundred years when you talk about the media, uh, basically utilize, utilizing these platforms to downgrade us. Uh, from those presentations, I just basically used the outline, the PowerPoint presentations. I put together the outline and I started writing from them. Um, but I broke the chapters down to talk about stuff like propaganda, the definition of it, uh, how NWA played a part, what happened with Public Enemy, uh, what happened with Conscious Rap, uh, the black exploitation era. Uh, I talk about a lot of history with World War II and the Nazis and how Hitler used uh, a component of uh, his, uh, corp his corpse uh, the Nazis to basically uh, dehumanize the Nazis are basically, and it's basically what's going on with us too uh, through the media right now. Um, but from what you just spoke of, whatever, I mean, we're dealing with all these kids dying of ideas. Um, it seems like every other week uh, there's another rapper that's being killed. He's being killed basically uh, off of the music that he talked about. Um, you know, basically threatening through raps or whatever, telling other people what he's going to do to them, how he handles his issues. How he's big in the streets with these guns and stuff. So you turn on the radio now, I mean, nine out of 10 songs literally talking about killing people, killing each other, these little kids. Uh, I don't want to call them little kids because they're damn near grown men. Uh, we're talking about 20 year olds, 19 year olds, 18 year olds, but it's all about killing each other, disrespecting the women, uh, materialism, like every negative uh, component of the menstrual era of uh, black exploitation television is being played out through this music. So um, I guess you could say the book is pretty much my. Uh, contribution to the cause. Um, definitely something that is, is to launch the conversations as well. Uh, so we're, we've been doing the conversations for the last 10 years, but um, I definitely wanted to make sure that we had reference points with which to launch the conversations from uh, whether it's the schools or wherever. But the information you know, needs to be out there. And, and it's interesting because there's, there's several books that have been written on hip hop. And we, was, we were supposed to have Coach Powell on there who wrote the book, Hip Hop Hypocrisy. And hopefully we'll get him on here for another segment of this. He's going through some family struggles right now. We want to send some light and love to our brother and his family. Coach Powell, who, uh, who also did the 40-ounce scandal, uh, Message in a Bottle, uh, that popular book back in the 90s. But he worked. He did uh, Hip Hop Hypocrisy, and we'll get him on soon. But his book didn't play with him. Uh, there's a couple other books that don't play with them. Some of these books like try to coddle to some of these, these rappers, man. And you're not doing that here, which you shouldn't do, which is cool. Because you mentioned the age of some of these rappers in their 20s and teens. I mean, some of these cats, man, are in like 40s and 50s still yeah. this stuff, man. And then, you know, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. But there's a quote that you uh, have in one of the chapters you, uh, from C. Dolores Tucker. And when she says, you can't listen to all that language and filth without it affecting you. And you go on to elaborate about that. And I'm just, you know, I monitor this crap, and I'm gonna tell you last week I took I took most of the week off from monitoring because I got some time because it's so tough to listen to. But and I'm a grown man. You may have saw when I've shared that I woke up in the, uh, the other morning with there's some holes in this house. Just kept repeating in my mind. Early in the morning, I took a road trip. I mean I'm grown. You can see I'm way grown man. Mm -hmm. Affecting me like that, man. 
you know, what is this doing to our children, man? To our children. Well, you know, I'll be on you about listening to children too, all the time. As an yeah. educator. Uh, well, back to see, see the Lois Tucker first. I mean, she talked about this. Uh, I think this is back in the 80s. And uh, she was talking about the exact same thing we're talking about now. So everything that she talked about, I mean, she pretty much prophesied that. I mean, it's going on exactly the way she called it. Uh, our kids literally, especially these youngins, um, the last school I worked at was a middle school. And it's a fight to get these young men to respect the, the, the girls as girls. Uh, you got middle school girl, uh, boys calling middle school girls bitches and hoes. Um, and treating them as such. Um, and you got middle school boys, I'm talking about 13, 14, 15, 13, 14, 15, 12 years old, uh, talking about shooting you after school or talking about shooting their peers and this and that. And they're serious about it. Uh, at the middle school I was at last year, we had at least two different incidents where uh, reportedly a kid had brought a gun to the school. We're talking about a middle school. We ain't even talking about high school yet. Um, but they come in with these earbuds in their ears all day um, and it literally being programmed. I mean, she talked about it and we've already known, the studies have already been out there. Amos Wilson has talked about it. Uh, several of our psychiatrists, our psychologists have talked about it. Uh, Carter, uh, what's it, Carter G. Woodson, he talked about yes. it too. Um, you can't, I mean, it's impossible to consume all of this stuff. It's just like eating bad food. Uh, eventually it's gonna manifest in disease. So if you're taking in all of these messages, especially the subliminal ones, that we don't even realize we're taking in, this stuff is sticking in your subconscious, which is best to inform your, your behaviors how you relate with the world, how you relate with your peers, how you relate with your loved ones. And so now we're at the point in 2020 where if I'm around my peers, I'm 50 years old. And so if I'm standing with a group of 50 year old men and I got to check them on calling black women bitches and I got to get pushback from that. Um, it's to the point where I don't even correct brothers anymore. I still do on occasion, but <laughs> got not, to. As, not as much as far as uh, calling each other niggas. Now with the bitch thing, I don't tolerate that. Uh, don't stand around me calling black women bitches. Uh, as far as the nigga thing go, sometimes I just just like, okay, whatever. Don't call me a nigga, but if you want to be a nigga, be a nigga. That's on you. But uh, she called it, man. And, you know, much respect to her. Uh, she was brave back then. It was a courageous fight for her because it seemed like she was virtually by herself. If you think about the black exploitation era, there was only a handful of people uh, that were fighting to get that stuff off the movie screens back then. And it took them 10 years to do it. You know, we were... Um... I mean, I was with C. Dolores Tucker back then, and I, you know, I know a lot of rappers, you know, that I really dig in their music. I know, uh, I think it was Channel Live and, and, and Karis One had a song, uh, "Free Mumia," with the quote, "Free Mumia, like mud, you know, free our political prisoners and prisoners of war. They still need to be free. Man. The ones who are still locked up." And but, so why do you have to have in that song? Why do you have to blog out C. Dolores Tucker in that song? So mm -hmm. I was like, dude, why are you doing this? But we were with her back then, and you have a, uh, one of the illustrations in your book is a. Um, placard that we came up with with the National Black Leadership Alliance um, mentioning a couple of rappers that were wrong. Black women are not B's and H's. And so we, we had that up. Uh, it's in the book. And we did a presentation in Chicago recently, well, a couple a couple years ago now, and we put the posters up in there. And I was like, and, and C. Dolores Tucker came up. And I was like, if we, if we would have listened to C. Dolores Tucker 20, 25 years ago, or 30 years ago, we would have to be making embarrassing signs like this in a, in a group of black people to have up a sign saying that black women are not B's and H's. <laughs> this stuff is embarrassing, man. But the propaganda piece, and we were on, on with the uh, National Black Leadership Alliance a little earlier, and you talked about this propaganda, and you even mentioned it just now, talking about uh, Hitler and Goebbels and things like that. Talk a little bit about uh, this use of propaganda and, and being used as a weapon, a weapon against us. Well, I mean, on the macro level, America is easily, it easily possesses the most 
robust propaganda machinery in the world um, easily, uh, which is why you have the, I would, I would say from my vantage, the, the most ignorant voters, uh, the most easily manipulated consumers, um, which is why it's, it's the most powerful uh, country in the world because everybody consumes, everybody wants to be rich. Uh, everybody's under the, I guess, that impression or that dream or that illusion that everybody can be rich and everybody should be rich. Everybody's chasing these cares to be rich based on the propaganda. Um, in regards to it being weaponized against us, I mean, if we're talking about capitalism, capitalism, it, it requires an exploited race of people, an expo exploited class of people, which has historically been us. Uh, we were brought over here to work for free. Um, so fast forward to today, capitalism still requires an exploited class of people, and that's still us. So how do you keep those people down? I mean, you have to convince those people, number one, that they are less than what they've been doing forever, uh, labeling us niggas. It's not, they've got us to the point where we call ourselves niggas and bitches and hoes. Uh, we don't think we have any value. Um, and it's not just that it plays out in the words, but it's just how we treat each other. Um, I won't even get into that. You know, my personal experiences and how I get treated as a black man, as somebody, a black man that's an activist for black people, doesn't demand respect as much as a rich celebrity who's been treacherous towards his people his whole career. Like a Jay-Z will get exponentially more respect than a Quabbina Wood, than a Scotty Reed Wood, than a Bernard Creamer Wood, based, period, based off the fact that we don't have money, which is pretty much what the propaganda machinery in America tells us, you know, celebrate and venerate rich people only. And uh, we haven't been treacherous. So we haven't been doing the work that America tells us to do to basically go against your people. Um, in terms of it being weaponized, though, let me go back into that your specific question. Uh, we talked about public enemy being one of our premier groups uh, going into the early 90s. Uh, Multi-platinum group, um, never had a failing album or a terrible album. Uh, I still remember all their songs. I still sang all their songs. We still party to all of their music. So the big question is, how did they all of a sudden disappear just like that? If you got a popular group that's making you a bunch of money, why would you get rid of them? And so they didn't get rid of them. They just pushed them underground. And they basically promoted another group to make more money off of, but not only were they making money off of this group, but they were also killing our culture. Because once again, if you have a culture where the black men relate to each other as niggas and the women relate to each other as bitches, and the black men relate to the women as bitches and hoes, then you're not going to have a, a healthy culture, a culture that's going to be seeing progress, or even a culture that wants to fight for progress. Um, public Enemy, basically, not Public Enemy, but NWA basically set the standard or the bar to where it is now. I mean, they lowered the bar. Um, they literally siphoned all the consciousness out of the music, uh, turned the music against us, weaponized it. Um, it literally served, it served as the commercials uh, or the backdrop or the soundtrack for basically dealing drugs for the next 10 to 20 years. Um, and to tell you how potent they were as a group, um, as a minstrel group, we can call them that, uh, how they get a movie before Public Enemy did. So to even just reinforce it on us, I mean, they brought out a whole movie about N.W.A., whose whole career was basically treachery against black people. Whereas you have it's, a group that, huh? And it's that, that propaganda that we talk about, just keep it pushing that and pushing that narrative, pushing that negative on the masses of our people. Yep, and we talked about it even when the movie came out. I was like, well, why the hell are we going through this again with N.W.A.? You know, you, got, well, you still got people our age that are still in denial about the effect that that music had on us. Because, I mean, it's like literally like we call each other niggas like breathing. You know what I mean? It's like most of us are not, we don't even realize we're doing it. Uh, we see our women, whether we're calling them bitches or not, a lot of black men see black women as bitches and hoes. It, it, it's funny because, you know, that ain't funny, but, you know, people know how I am about that word. I think it's the most dangerous, despicable 
disgusting word in the history of English or any other language. And so people who know me, they'll be around me, they'll get to talk, and I'll, I'll check them. Like, oh, I said that? <laughs> like you said, even though it's a word. Yeah. You know? Oh, I'm our, sorry. our kids don't even realize it, though. That's crazy. Oh, our kids don't even realize they're saying it. I'm like, you talking about little kids. When I correct them, my fault, Mr. Cream, I didn't realize I said it. But to add to that, when I was working in Dallas, it's not just our kids that are calling each other niggas. Now you got Mexicans calling each other, poor, poor Mexicans calling each other niggas. I got to correct them. And you got poor white kids that are calling each other niggas. I got to correct them. But, but I'm, and I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell you too, but every, and there's somebody that shared this, and I shared, I shared it too. I said, every time I hear that word, I cringe. Every time I hear, and, and I'm cool with that. I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm cool with hearing that word, especially when I hear us drop it on each other. Mm-hmm. Hey, can, can I chime in real that? quick? Let, let me chime in to what y'all just talked about in, in talking about the culture. But I just got on TikTok, which, you know, Instagram and TikTok, somehow they related now. But anyway, I just got on TikTok. And it can be a tool, from what I'm seeing, it's the culture of, of I don't want to call it hip hop, you know, because that's disrespecting the founders. But it's a whole lot of twerking and stuff going on, you know, on hip hop. I mean, on TikTok. But there's this white kid and his little sister, man, and they just be purposely trying to sound all ghetto and just, you know, I'm just straight up thugging it. And, and you know, the influence on everybody, not just our people, but everybody to promote negative behaviors. And I just wanted to, to, to add that I just noticed that. And I was like, it's got all these likes on it. And it do be a lot of people calling them out. But I was like, you know, it's just sad that you even got white kids out there. But, you know, you know what Dave Chappelle just said on SNL is talking about them white N-words holding us back. But, you know, Talking about the Dave Chappelle love. Now, I'm just going to add to the Dave Chappelle love. I was used to his stand-up, and I wasn't accepting of it. I never, I don't enjoy hearing him calling us niggas on stage uh, while dishing out, dishing, dishing out second-hand smoke for the audience. Uh, I don't know what's to that, <laughs> and these cigarettes or whatever, but that's his thing. But in addition to that, uh, what's that show uh, that comes on Comedy Central uh, with the guy from South Africa? Uh, oh, Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah. Uh, he, he let one go yesterday. Oh, I'm really? watching this show. Oh yeah, and I'm like, come on, dude. Now you you got but, a white. But, listen, let me put this out there to you, Quabner and, and you, Bernard, on Dave Chappelle. B. I was thinking this. I didn't do any podcast on it, but since we on a podcast, let me bring this up to you. Now, Dave Chappelle, you know, do bring up some excellent points. You know, even the fact that he says that he can only talk about serious issues and, and when there's a punchline behind it. And that's kind of, that's kind of deep and that's acknowledging where, where he's at. But in terms of like, for example, on SNL, he was talking about the drug dealer on the corner destroying his community. And Dave, you know, you know, ever since, and I have bought the CD package of the Dave Chappelle show, and, and everybody that, that watches Dave Chappelle know what a fan of hip hop he is. But yet, I'm like, Dave, but I know you smart, brother. And I know that you got to know the connection between what we hear in hip hop and what we see out in the streets and why you don't use your influence, you know, to try to put them brothers on a positive track. And I do acknowledge he just one person, but like you were saying, like y'all were saying earlier, 
his name and his celebrity status carries far more well weight than any of us on this podcast right now. So I, right. that's just a thought, Dave. Open, you know, call to Dave Chappelle. Somebody see this, send it to him. We need your help to clear the airways of these this ratchet rap that's destroying our people and telling the brothers to get out there on the corner and sell dope. First of all, Scotty, I, I, I knew you weren't going to be able to uh, stay in the background. He's going to jump on this. <laughs> I was just a matter of time. I was surprised. But on David Chappelle, I mean, I'm like this, dude. You don't. You don't disrespect anybody else. I want to be at home calling your children and your wife gooks. You know, stop doing that, man. Stop dropping in bombs on us constantly, dude. I'm tired of that, man. Tired of that stuff. And why is it why is the derogatory derogatory term? Why is the joke always on us? And but you tell me about a, about a party you were at uh, a couple of years ago, and you had the mixed crowd, but all the music they was playing was dropping in bombs on us. Yeah, that was in Dallas, uh, in Dallas too. Uh, a red state, conservative state, conserv well, relatively conservative city. I think Dallas is a little bit more liberal than like uh, Austin or whatever, um, most of Texas. Uh, the way at this club, I think I had a friend in town from school. There's probably about 300, 400 people there, but every other song was uh, saturated with, you know, nigga, nigga, nigga. Uh, you got the white people, the Indians, and the black girls and the black boys all singing along. You know, it's just like it's cool. You know what I mean? But I'm a hundred and fifty percent sure if an artist came out, let's say Drake, uh, he started acknowledging uh, his Jew half, uh, his white Jewish half, a European Jewish half, as uh, Jaime's and Kikes. Um, I'm pretty sure it'd be an issue. But it's like you just said before, it's just us. Um, it's okay for us. Um, Jay Z could even say the word Jew on an album, whether he was telling the truth or not, uh, without the uh, what is it, the Anti Defamation League, the ADL. It got on. Yeah, coming after his ass. Michael Jackson, most deaf. Uh, we had a number of artists that had to deal with them for basically saying Jew. You can't say nothing about them, but you can call us niggas, you can call us bitches, you can uh, dehumanize us, do whatever the hell you want to do. And then we get on stage and we do it, which basically adds credence to it. Um, man, man, no brilliance who's, the tallest, who's the tallest, strongest, biggest black athlete right now, greatest they say right now, who's out there? Who's still doing his thing? Uh, the tallest athlete? The tallest, strongest, greatest. They they say he the goat, the best, most popular athlete out there right now. Oh, right now, LeBron James. So LeBron James is, is listening just listening to a song with Twenty One Savage, where he talks about G Money. Just Twenty One Savage was at a bar mitzvah where they paid him a million dollars, I think, up to a million dollars to perform in a bar mitzvah song about killing black people. And he he has a new song out. He's chilling in there. We talk about it in his new song. I, they paid me G Money. LeBron James listened to the song, which also drops in bombs. Was also talked about shooting ends, calling out women bees, but yet he, he apologizes. Big old LeBron James apologizes for listening to the song. And if you're right. savage, you don't give an F about who he hits with his gats and with his guns. He apologizes too. The most uh, savage, the biggest, strongest athlete, we apologizing to them, but dropping in bombs about killing us. Who stole the weaponization of hip hop, brother? Man, this is a historical and sociological perspective where you get into the reasons why. You know, you get into the history of of, of, of this uh, control and mind control and propaganda. So, I mean, also, you would uh, just mention, I think, which is cool too. You also get into some of the things that we're doing to, uh, to work to, to, to uh, therefore, what we're going to do about it. Um, I wanted to add to what you said. I mean, it talks about the nature of ownership too. Uh, when you talk about LeBron, you talk about Jay Z, you talk about 21 Savage, you talk about Nick Cannon. 
Um, and he got on TV talking about he was a boss and he was a boss this. Uh, but even the perception of disrespecting Jews, they will come down on you. And if they pay you and they own you, uh, you got a choice. I mean, you can keep on going with it and doing what you're doing or whatever, or you can go ahead and fall in line with the rest of them and check yourself. And they took him to the extent where they made him go to the Holocaust Museum and apologize. So he apologized like two or three times uh, to keep his little silly ass show. Um, but that's the nature of ownership. And it's not just the rappers. I mean, it's the sports leagues. Uh, LeBron is owned in the basketball on the basketball court, uh, the NFL arenas. As an educator, uh, you got to make choices as a teacher, whether you're going to teach empowering information to the kids, or whether you're going to go by the book. Um, these are battles that I've been fighting for the last 20 years. Um, as a financier, a, a banker, as a lawyer, uh, as a state's attorney, as a prosecutor, all of that stuff. I mean, mayors, presidents, all of us are owned still. And so we got to get out of this ownership. Um, that's a hard shackle to break, you know what I mean? But we're going to have to make some sacrifices. And those sacrifices need to start, too, on this media level. Because that stuff is really killing our heads. Man, it, I, mean, I think about the violence. You know, I'm in the Chicago area. You know, you're native from uh, Native African, but... Uh, spent, I guess, born here in Chicago, and you know, just think about this latest shooting and killing uh, King Von, and not to not to get on LeBron or Dave so much as these African individuals, but who, who's like you said, who's pulling these strings, who's controlling this stuff? So LeBron, you know, he shares that hey, me and my son, me and my sons, we listen to King Von, we rock with him. You know, this is a brother who who made a song where he rapped about when when they shoot me, I'm just it's just gonna up the murder rate when he when he gets his, and he did, he got killed in Atlanta. If you look at the video. Man, you look at the video, they just out after the club, just like no regard for no who human life, just standing up by cars, just firing, firing and shooting at each other. It's just, it's, you don't even see that in the Wild Wild West movies. Just ridiculous how, how they got us acting right now. And so, but when you see this, and then in Akron, Ohio, one of the brother's classmates, uh, teammates, sister in her 30s was murdered. And he was praying for to find out who did it and rewards for this and can't believe his, his homie sister was killed. But yet the next couple of days, you talking about me and my sons rocking with King Vaughn. And so this stuff is so pervasive and, and out there, man. But it's, 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 I think it's one of our major issues that we have to deal with. One of our, our brothers, we, uh, we, we listened to a little bit, Brother Bro Diallo. I was listening to him, one of his shows he just recently did. And he talked about some of the major issues. And he said, I think he said one of the most important specific to us was mental side, mental side. You know, like, again, your homeboy Bobby Wright, Dr. Bobby Wright talked about so much, wrote a book about it the mental side that this continues to just this music and this so-called music continues to uh, make so much more of a problem to the masses of our people. Yeah. Uh, the mental side, I mean, uh, the compromising of our ability to think, um, especially to think critically and to analyze uh, information as it serves us uh, to be discerning about what we take in all of that. Um, and like you just said, man, it's not about dumping on these kids because we were all kids once. Like I tell all my students, I used to love my beat, but I didn't have the frame of reference or the understanding that I do not understand what that stuff was doing to me and the effect that it might have had on me then. Um, I wasn't in a situation where I had command of guns or ownership of guns or the need to sell drugs to feed family or to clothe myself, anything like that. So um, I wasn't totally immersed in that, but I've had kids where they was in that life. And I'm, I can imagine where their mindset is off of my deep, off of the stuff they're hearing now. Because Mob Deep is it's rated G compared to what's out now. Um, literally. It's literally rated G uh, compared to the stuff that's out now. And all Mob Deep talked about was killing people. Um, it's getting, well, I can't even say it's getting bad. It's bad. Um, we, after each killing, we talk about what a good guy they were. And they probably were good guys or some of these kids. Because they are, a lot of them are kids. They're young men. 
Um, and I also include in the book the fact that cap with capitalism, I mean, you always gonna have the rich, you're gonna be able to manipulate and control the poor. You already know that. And so if you have 19-year-old kids or 20-year-old kids that don't have access to what they see in terms of these material goods, whatever in society that America pushes at you, the question in their mind is always, how do I get this stuff? My mom ain't gonna give it to me. My daddy ain't giving it to me. I don't even know where he is uh, in a lot of situations. The school is not giving me a means to do it. So if I sell these drugs, or if I take this $250,000 from this dude at this record company to basically do what I've been doing on YouTube for free, I could be a rich man. Uh, so that's the exploitation right there. Uh, these are kids making bad decisions, but on, at the end of the day, like we're doing as 50-year-old men, I mean, we got to have a say-so on what our kids do, um, which is what we're trying to do. And it's tough because we have to fight adults. Like we literally have to fight adults to get them to talk to the kids about some, something that's almost commonsensical. But, but no, and if I, I'm going to share this too because, you know, we, be, we, we do this work. And when we present or talk to the youth about this, they get a little, very little, very little pushback. They understand because they, they hear this crap and they know it's crazy. But most of the pushback we get is from the adults. But we as adults must understand, and this is something I got from Coach Powell too. He said, we have to protect our children. Our children, our children, they cannot fend for themselves. They can't fend for themselves. They, they look to us to protect them. We must protect our children. And so when we struggle with this stuff, I'm going to tell you, I don't think the adults should be listening to this crap over and over again. Or you wake up in the morning like I did the other day, thinking there's some holes, there's some holes in this house. But, you know, you can't really control adults to that extent. But our children have been in a day with this crap man for decades now. And, and um, I wrote this down for, he had a quote here where he said, money from the hip-hop poor goes into what you were just talking about. Money from hip-hop poor flows straight to the pockets of the few hip-hop rich, the rappers, the entrepreneurs, and the owners. And those who you talk about, those who stole the soul yeah. of our people, who stole the soul. So, brother, this is part one. We want to uh, we want to do this uh, again and talk more about uh, this issue because I want also want to. Uh, hopefully, we'll be hearing from the FCC, brother Scotty, as, as introduction talked about uh, the the fight we have, struggle we have right now with these radio stations, specifically in Chicago, and this work, uh, the complaint that we filed, Sister Layla. Um, um, myself, Bob, you know, you know, we worked on Clear Airways Project and a petition that we have out that we put out this summer, and me, you, and uh, that we worked on. So, bro, I think we're about to have some a victory here. So, we want we definitely want to get back and talk more about this book and talk more about our, our victory when that when that occurs, man. So, I'm looking forward to it, man. And I appreciate yeah. you, man. Yeah, tell us where we can get the book, man, and, and uh, and anything else you want to say about it before we uh wrap this up, too. I see Scotty's back. All right, well, again, it's called Who Stole the Soul. Uh, you can get it on my website, which is status no s t a t u s k n o dot com. So is that shirt? So is the shirt as well. Good looking out. Uh, you can also go to Amazon. Uh, don't get on me about supporting that Bezos dude, but unfortunately he has major distribution in this world. Uh, go on Amazon. You can look my name up, Bernard B e r n a r d last name Creamer C r e a m e r. You can cop the book as well. All right, fellas, I want to thank uh, both of y'all for what y'all do, man. And uh, definitely the door is always open here on BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. And I just want to uh, remind the people to support independent uh, black media. And that's very, very 
important. Media in general and, and journalism, all of that's important, but also we need to have black voices in control. And so you can make a tax deductible donation today to the Black Talk Media Project by going to blacktalkradionetwork.com and check out all the other great podcasts that's part of the family. All right, guys, any closing words as we get ready to shut it down? Yeah, I had to just big, big up my sister's paper here, Metropolis out of Chicago, because uh, Sister Layla uh, put together this strong paper, man, and she dedicated uh, our issues, recent issues, man, and, and uh, to the struggle we have to clear these airways, man. So big up to her. And our latest issue is uh, giving up for the Black Panther Party of Chicago. And uh, that work, that work, that media work, uh, this book, you know, what you do, this is propaganda. This is so important. Our wep- our propaganda as a tool used for the liberation of black people. And it's so important what y'all are doing, man. Hey, much respect, Scotty. Uh, much respect, Quavin. I appreciate both of y'all for hosting this, man. All right, y'all stay safe out there, man, with this COVID and uh, everything else, all the other perils we have. But be blessed, and we'll talk to everyone again. Peace. Likewise. All right, brother. Thank you. Peace.